Lucifer Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. For all things comics, movies, media, music, and more, check out the Cage Club Network. That's cageclub.me. Bittersweet return to the Starlight Citadel this week, though things on Krakoa seem to be going along smoothly. However, not as smooth, outlawed. I did not need Civil War 2.75, thank you very much. And of course, this is way too many opinions for an opening. That makes this We Are Krakoa. I'm Nico. I'm Dylan. I'm Kyle. I'm Regina. And I'm Jonah. And we hope you survived the experience, similar to how Domino survived all of her experiences by just forgetting her memories. Oh boy. Oh my god. Yeah, that, yeah no, that gets an oh boy and a yeah and an oh my god. Dylan, what do you want to throw in there? Like an egg or, or a gold balls or something? <laughs> It's, it's been a busy week for the X-Men, even though it hasn't been that busy a week for the X-Men. And I feel like I would call Outlaw Civil War 13 and a half, because I feel like that's the average age of all of those participants. Oh my god, yeah, I can't even. Well, before we can get to the reviews, I do believe we have a little bit of news we need to take care of. Dylan? The little bit of news that we do have is, as I'm sure most of our listeners are aware of, there's a pandemic hitting the world right now, and that is also going to be affecting comics. It's been announced that after April 1st, Diamond is not going to be shipping comics to local comic book stores. It's been a really interesting journey watching this unfold, whether it was the open letter from the editor-in-chief of Valiant calling for a slowdown on production or the somewhat heavy reaction from retailers. There's a possible plan where retailers themselves could sell digital codes that would then be reimbursed with a physical issue, or you'd be able to buy it digitally and then get a code to have a discounted physical copy. There's talk of the companies trying to direct ship to major retailers like Walmart. But there seems to be arguments on both sides of the fence. Whether it's physical or digital, if I want it, I just want it. So I guess I want to know from you guys. What do you guys think? Physical or digital, would you rather just have all the books wait what could be six months? Or make some sort of compromise where there's a digital avenue so that the comics industry doesn't have a hiatus that it can't financially survive? I am a person that's very vocal about wanting to have my physical copies. So there's a part of me that I... I I kind of wish they would maybe pause for a while and maybe if this is if this pandemic is something that is going to keep places and people isolated and closed for a very long time then continue with digital but I don't know since I'm someone that likes physical copies I don't want to not be able to read something that everybody else is continuing to read. For me, I prefer having a physical copy. I will read digital if maybe my my store has been uh, sold out of the book that I want. What makes me worried about this is for my local store. I feel actually for, for any local store. That is also something that I'm sad about because I know there's lots of stores that are probably going to be really affected by this. You know that those stores themselves are going to be hurt and 
incredibly if everything is just going straight to digital during this time. One of the things those stores in particular have vocalized is their fear is if these fans get three weeks off, they're going to completely forget about comics when they come back. That there is not a lot of customer loyalty from comic book fans over long periods of time. Your core readership represents something like 30% of your sales market, but there is a great concern that if comics cease publication, when they come back, it will be to no fanfare. I really like to have a book in my hands and turn the pages. I've done the digital comics on occasion. Um, they do have their pluses, but there's got to be a way where if you redeem the digital copy that you get a bonus print for an extra dollar or something like that. Yeah, you know, like mail delivery subscription. Right. So you get caught up and we still get to continue the story in real time and nobody's really left behind. I do think that would be like the best version of anything, that if you could just go onto marvel.com and set up your monthly subscription and get your digital code Wednesday morning. Your book arrives two, three days later, but you can always read the digital Wednesday morning if you want. Just this way, there's no worrying about overnight shipping guarantees. Jonah, as the newest to the comics fandom, I know you predominantly read through digital copies, but if you had the choice, what would you rather see the industry do so much of what regina said i love having a physical book in my hands i like turning pages i like looking at all the pretty art with my two physical eyes as opposed to my virtual eyes through my phone and it's something like really special to be able to like hold a comic be like yeah i bought this and i can hold it in my hands but i think digital is way better for convenience and ease for the everyday consumer and i expect with the coming future that digital will probably be the primary resource i won't be upset by it because i think the majority of people would probably prefer having something at an ease of their fingertips as opposed to having to go to their local comic shop or go to this uh comic con event or whatever to grab the comics that they would like so let me ask a question i personally don't ever want loose issues like honestly my dream world is digital's day of and i can like put that money toward a hardcover <laughs> like, that's like my dream right if there was some sort of system where you could purchase your comics let's say through amazon in a subscription service and amazon as the owner of comiXology much like when you buy a cd give you an audio rip would you guys be interested in changing the way we buy comics well then they could just do like rewards points like you buy this many comics you get this poster and if you buy 10 comics today you get this poster of gene in a bathing suit i don't know <laughs> I was thinking something that would entice you specifically, well, Nico. I don't think Jean has straight male fans. She's probably got some real strong lesbian fans. That I get. Jean is very strong in the lesbian community. Lesbians, please reach out to us and let us know what you think of Jean. Please, lesbians. No. I do. Well, we have well, to have lesbian fans. Speaking of strong, fierce women, I think there's probably a strong middle ground on this big discussion. I think things like Fallen Angels would have been just fine digital only. I even think you could kind of split that New Mutants up. There could be the New Mutants in print, and there could be New Mutants Generation Next in digital form. And you can split the two books that way. I think that everything is only print is part of why the industry is going to come to a financial halt for several months. If there were more digital options from the big two, this would not be the situation we're in that said like i i don't begrudge anybody i have been waiting to read the marvel i've been waiting to read the history of the marvel universe by mark wade and finally the marvel treasury edition came out so i finally got it and i can't wait but that was something that i could never imagine reading digitally like i wouldn't want to read earth x digitally i wouldn't want to read marvels digitally i wouldn't want to read the original x-men children of the atom from the late 90s digitally these are things i want to hold so i do get the pull i do want to also quickly mention 
and this is mostly my experience from dating Nico, comics take up a lot of space. And if you are an avid collector and you like having all the issues of everything, it can take up a lot of room and not everybody has that. That's very That is true. Is there anything that you guys are like, no, I could never read that digitally. You know, if I had to put one thing on that list, I I would, I would never, I would never read Planet X digitally. How could you make me do that? I'm just having a flashback to, I know that the 90s are panned with some of their crossovers and their glitz that just ultimately made things bad. But the Age of Apocalypse had one specific cover and you could literally feel the ridges in the cover. And I have it somewhere. I loved just touching the cover. <laughs> yeah, those beautiful um, like chrome foil covers they did. Right. And because the book was so good, that tactile experience, you can't replicate that digitally. That's something I would have to buy. And humans from the 2000s with Jai Lee's art. I oh sure yeah that was great yes I, I even if some of the story wasn't that great I would prefer to be able to have that in book form even though I, I know you could look at it on a screen up close I would prefer to look at it in physical form because that art was amazing and it was written by Paul Jenkins. It was part of that Marvel Knights imprint relaunch when Quesada took over the Marvel Knights imprint through his secondary party, right? Correct. Oh man, no, that was a great that was a great miniseries art-wise. I completely understand what you're saying. My other choice was going to be Daredevil Electra Assassin. So no one's gonna hate on you for loving other corners of the Marvel universe. Oh, I just thought you I just thought you were gonna hate on me because I was choosing inhumans. Oh, I love the inhumans pre-inhumanity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, no, I'll die on a pile of Inhumans, and frequently there's a pile of Inhumans in the corner for you to die on, so I would die on a pile of Inhumans pre-Inhumanity. It's just all the things they did to them where they became an aerated virus set on replacing the X-Men, and the fuck, fuck, I hate it. I don't really think that I've been reading long enough to have experienced something that really needed to be read physically. Interesting. So for you, it's not that you really get something more out of physical. You just kind of prefer it. Yeah, it's it's more of a tactile thing. I just like having a book in my hand. What about you, Jonah? Would you be just as content to read a digital copy while stroking an old newspaper? <laughs> Can you say that centrally for me? Because you brought up Mark Waite's History of the Marvel Universe, special edition books like that, where they're really large, as well as have a lot of pages, I think really work better as physical copies of things. When we covered Marvel 1000, let me tell you, it was a slog to get through digitally because there is <laughs> so many pages and i i am that the dumb fucker didn't come with a digital code i have the personal opinion that a book that is much more copious in content with so many more pages works better physically because it feels like you can get through it faster The first book we're going to discuss this week is Outlawed by writer Eve L. Ewing. The artist was Kim Jacinto. The color artist was Espen Grunigern. And the letterer was VC's Clayton Cowles. I did not like this. I also did not like this. I thought that this was supposed to bring us into Empire, and I don't see anything even remotely close to that here. No, I feel like I'm back in Civil War. Just like kid, explosion, new laws, people in danger. What, are you telling me that Kamala Khan is going to start walking around in a suit filled with spikes and constantly be in terrible pain? If that happens, just just end everything. I think think Kyle might quit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
I liked the cast. Uh, I know the great things that Kamala Khan has done for representation in comics, so I was really happy to get to see her a little bit. I really enjoy Moon Girl. I first was introduced to her in one of Marvel's crossover events, uh, Monsters Unleashed, that saw Elsa Bloodstone. And there is an actual reference I can use to bring her into this episode for people keeping count. Oh my god. That is that is some dupe levels of nonsense, sir. <laughs> I lo- well, I like the way that she interacted with Kid Kaiju. Stacy X marks the spot. I get it. Ugh. No. <laughs> no. We are not comparing a genius young black girl to a mutant prostitute. No. Thank you. <laughs> no, she is a prostitute. That's true. No, we love sex workers. We're just not comparing them right now. That's good job. Um... <laughs> And that's as far as my positive feelings for this issue went. My biggest takeaway, and I guess my biggest problem is, well, what's your take on this? There is nothing new about this story. This story is full of cliches about superheroes and, well, we're going to ban them till a certain age because, you know, that's what you need to do. Every time they raise the drinking age, nobody under that age drinks ever again. Yeah, no, because that's exactly how that works. We've come so far in comics and art and storytelling through this medium. If you're going to use a common storytelling plot, I need a fresh take on it and from what i have seen there is nothing new about this story i would agree with what jonah was saying and like nico has mentioned at the beginning of this this is basically like a watered down teenage version of civil war with kids instead of the main adults that we're used to i love kamala and what she means for the marvel universe so it is nice to read a book with her in it. Um, I, I've read most of her solo series, but I actually never read any of the Champions books, so I didn't, don't really know what she's been doing since Champions, but it's nice to read a story with Kamala, and that's about the only nice thing I can think of. And Miles. And Miles. <laughs> I think the cast was the strongest thing about this book. I think that the writer really kind of nailed most of their voices. It was just the story itself. And I don't know, you know, writers don't always get to control what they're going to be writing about. The villain was just okay. I think that some of the issues that were brought up within the story itself were relevant, but I I do think that it it needs a fresher take than what we got. Um, I loved that the character that Kamala was protecting was from the Marshall Islands. I was trying to think. I don't think I've ever seen a character from the Marshall Islands before. So that by itself, I think, was something interesting to pull into the book. So the diversity of the characters, I, I freaking loved it. I showed it to my little girl. And I do think that the, maybe the target audience isn't us. Maybe it is for people who are younger than us who haven't seen what we've seen. She enjoyed the story. I was not that impressed with it. (laughs) So I'm going to give it to the younger generation. And this is for them and not for me. And that's kind of where I left it. A fresh take for a new generation, even if to us, it feels like kind of like a rehashed take. Okay. And you know what? Thank you for bringing in another age range's opinion. It's important to know that, you know, at the end of the day, the funny books are for whoever can buy them, but that doesn't make them targeted at that reader. One of the things that I really, that I actually liked about this book, this was my first time uh, experiencing the new Wasp, Nadia Van Dyne. I believe she was, was introduced right before Civil War too, And then I hadn't really heard about much about her since then. So it was nice actually seeing her in in action. She actually had a solo book for a short time, which was creative consulted by 
member of the podcast, Dr. Matt Connor. Uh, Dr. Matt Connor was the psychological consultant on the character because the character was given bipolar disorder and they wanted to make sure that that stayed very consistent and strong. Fascinating. Right. All said and done, Outlawed didn't make me want to read Champions number one. I have no idea how this feeds into Empire. I find myself kind of annoyed. I'm not saying I wish I hadn't spent the $4.99, but I am saying I wish I hadn't spent the $4.99. I'm going to have to agree with that. The next book we're going to cover this week is Excalibur number nine, verse nine, Schools of Magic. The writer was Teeny Howard. The artist was Marcus Toe. The color artist was Eric Arciega. And the letterer was VC's Corey Pettit. As a huge Captain Britain guy, this is like the fulfillment of so many things I've wanted to see come back for so long. Not that I haven't loved the Captain Britain we've gotten in the last few years, but honestly, Rick Remender never has my character's voice when he writes, so his Captain Britain stuff didn't move me tremendously. As much as I loved the Paul Cornell Captain Britain and MI-13, it really wasn't Captain Brittany. It was like new sci-fi British fantasy comic, and it was amazing for what it was. The last time we really saw attention to this side of the Captain Britain verse in a way that I feel connected meaningfully to the core of it all, ironically, was X-Men Die by the Sword, which was the culmination of New Excalibur and Exiles, both by Chris Claremont. This... I can't imagine how people who don't know these characters feel about this story because I know I've read, I think, nearly every appearance of a bunch of these characters and a lot of this feels like a bunch of puzzle pieces being shaken in a bag. I don't know how this picture looks to anyone else, but to me, it reads really incomplete, like almost like there's something missing from panel to panel. It did feel very broken up and kind of jumping around. (laughs) I did like it overall. It wasn't the strongest book I've read this week. I loved Rogue's outfit, that outfit that she's wearing, that uniform. I freaking love that. Oh my God, you would look so good cosplaying in it. Oh my God. It is so good. (laughs) And my favorite part was when Jubilee completely lost her shit. (laughs) So I give it high marks for that because I actually jumped up and cheered, but it was choppier than I would have liked overall. Although that was my second favorite moment, the Jubilee moment. My favorite moment was definitely pushing Pete and and Betsy together because, you know, in my heart of hearts, Pete, Megan, and Brian have a real good thing going on, a la Gene, Logan, and Scott. And if I can't have that, I will take Pete and Betsy. I think you can do a whole lot worse than Betsy Braddock giving you the time of day. And Megan just pushing them together. (laughs) Just pushing them. One of my favorite parts was the Jubilee losing her shit part as well. I'm happy that we're not having the Jubilee who's basically done nothing for the first eight issues finally do something, but then yet again, it's actually just Jubilee freaking out that her kid got hurt, and it's not really Jubilee being really a part of the story. It's just her reacting to her son getting hurt. That part is one of my favorite parts, but my absolute favorite part of the book was the fact that we actually got to see Megan do something besides babysit a kid. I'm glad that she's actually, even though she's being used as a spy and not like a superhero, I'm glad that we get to see Megan not babysit and actually act like her actual self because we all if you have read Megan and know Megan you would know that something like seeing someone sacrifice themselves and get murdered right in front of her and the way that she reacted as emotional as Megan is and I'm a very emotional person myself so I kind of feel drawn to her I was happy to see that 
I will say this, in current Grecoan times, gathering intel is pretty dangerous. First case scenario to look at, Domino. Truly. And I don't want to see Megan get skinned alive. And, you know, like, I'm not trying to push something that I pushed in the first episode again, but Megan could take on Apocalypse by herself. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Megan could take on Apocalypse. So, like, I... I mean, she took, have, on, she took on Galactus, so of course she could take on Apocalypse. Exactly! She is an elemental metamorph tied to the fabric of reality who can transdimensionally heal the rifts of reality. I can't. If you did not hear that, Nico just threw something in frustration. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Megan has possibly been underplayed. I can just imagine her as the Phoenix Force actually be able to control it with no problem yes. at all. Oh. Like the elemental fairy force or something. Yes. I, I Pardon my <laughs> uh, French for this phraseology. I feel like they're blue ballsing us with Megan in really? a way that it's... <laughs> Either you have her included or you don't. And not this, like, pussyfooting around, like, what she can and what she can't do. Out Either the, she's going to be... Out of the things that have been said to, on this podcast, you're going to say blue ballsing is pardoning yeah. your French. We've talked about yeah, getting seriously. head and getting fucked by Sebastian, but that's the thing <laughs> that you're going to pardon your French well, about? I didn't, I didn't even say those things. You can say whatever you want. I'm pardoning my French, Dylan. <laughs> Then. Um. <laughs> to pick up on what Jonah was saying for a moment, I would love to see Megan get her due along with some of the other underutilized members of Excalibur during the X of Swords event. If Betsy and Brian are going to be off wielding mystical swords, I think it only makes sense to have the other members of Excalibur, you know, do the ass kicking. If they're going to be doing something with this whole Brian sort of might plotline, they need to spend more than two pages on it. I'm they're they're just taking way too long moving forward on this story. Perhaps that's why he's not in any of the promotional material. He's meant to be a slow burn, and it seems like for a number of us, it's maybe burning a little too slow. Well, I feel like it wouldn't be bad if it was slow burn and everything else wasn't so underwhelming. And I don't know about underwhelming, but everything else does feel really, like, short, tight, and, like, done quickly. Like, I, I wasn't done with the Bloodstone Twink, and now he's gone. But not forgotten. But not forgotten. Uh, something I, w- I really would have wished to see more in this issue, uh, as Nico said earlier, was more uh, Opal Luna Saturnine. Nico first introduced me to Catherine Britton through the Alan Moore run, and that's where I met her whiteness first. And listen, if I love Emma, I'm going to love her whiteness. You know, a very powerful blonde woman who wears white clothing that is accentuates her body in specific ways to show she's dominating and powerful. Yeah, no, she is, uh, she, she is, yeah, her, Courtney Ross, and Emma Frost all share a wardrobe. Which is fine. It's a nice wardrobe, especially if Carnation is going to be making it. But, uh, I was really confused by her characterization here because when I first saw her, she was this very dutiful person who knew what she had to accomplish, what her job was, and what her purpose was, and her responsibility. And she took that very seriously. And she wasn't afraid to make certain sacrifices to ensure the safety of the multiverse. So, here i'm really confused as to what's going on with her and i really wish there was more characterization that was shown as opposed to the very few panels we got of her anybody got more on excalibar i'm really confused why does jubilee keep taking shogo on these missions if she's afraid he's gonna get hurt because they need plot points for her i don't know
The last book we're going to look at this week is X-Force number nine, The Moral Jungle. The writer was Benjamin Percy. The artist was Joshua Kassara. The color artist was Dean White. And the letterer was VC's Joe Caramagna. I really did love that opening splash page of the party. That was lovely. I kind of can't figure out when this party could possibly have happened. It, nothing. I just, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem possible. But I loved the splash. Monet would never want to flirt with Maggot. <laughs> Why do you hate every character I like? Oh, I love Maggot. I love Eenie and I love Meanie. Is it possible that this is the party that Emma was uh, hinting at in Marauders? Okay. Maybe. You know who I want a story of? That lady shark in the coconut bra playing the drums on the stage. Who is she? It's Where is she now? It's Shark Girl. I, what? I, I want to know. Do you not know who Shark Girl is? No, I do not know who really She's is. a character you don't need to know. That's who. <laughs> she is Dylan. once again. She is wow, once again Dylan. another character that Dylan hates. <laughs> so I like Shark Girl. Of course you, you really do. Yes. But you know who looked good from afar and only from afar? Forearms. He looked pretty hot. Yeah, Jonah turns to me and he goes, who's this guy? He's hot. And I'm like, that's forearm. And he was like, he's hot. And I'm like, no, he's forearm. And he's like, but he's still hot. And I was like, no, he's forearm. Was it the hairy chest? It was a hairy chest and forearms. <laughs> My theory is still that he and Spiral are going to team up to steal all 10 swords. Oh. <laughs> or they'll have a baby that's just arms. The Octomutie? Octomutie. Listen, Octomuty. if we could have a Sharko, we could have an Octopus Mutant. Yeah, why not? Give it ugh, to Megan. Ugh. I mean, we had uh, Callisto and Jean with their tentacle arms. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, there was that period of time where Callisto had those tentacle arms. Yep. That's a specific fantasy that's trying to fulfill for someone, and that's okay. Claremont wrote it. Makes a lot of sense. Here's my entire my entire problem with this uh, issue is that it had plot and I didn't really want to get to the plot. I just wanted this entire story to be about the party because to me, it's kind of more interesting. Sage being badass and, you know, starting a bar fight, watching everybody, you know, do really terrible and bloody party tricks. It was fairly more interesting to read all about that than this the ancient plant god trying to take over the world. We don't need that right now. And I'm more interested in what's going on at this party. I think part of what maybe didn't make me so interested was because I don't like the way how Beast is acting. Beast is acting way too cocky. You know, I've noticed the number of plant-based bad guys they're introducing nonstop. And it must be something connected to Krakoa, but it, it is getting to be just so many bad guys. And are we going to see more of Apoth in Hellions, perhaps? I, I don't know. I feel like a whole bunch of bad guys were introduced in Fallen Angels, and X-Men has had a new bad guy every issue, and this was just yet another bad guy. Well, what about these plant people, Kyle? Uh, what did you think about X-Force 9? I mean, I feel like this is another one of those, hey, we're going to pick up this storyline that we were working on weeks ago and hope, hope you guys remember what happened. I'm feeling kind of bitter about how often these storylines are jumping all over the place at this point. Other than the plant people, can I just say that it's really creepy that even though Domino really wanted to keep her memories, somehow they've been erased during her resurrection? I don't know that Colossus was true to his word. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I bet Colossus didn't want her to remember. But there's a part of me that kind of feels like, even if he were to tell her that, hey, 
you wanted to remember it. I don't know. I feel like Domino is a, t- a woman that would be fine either way. Like I could feel it. I could see him saying, hey, you really wanted to remember everything, but I told them not to. And she'd be like, okay, fine. <laughs> like it's Domino. She like, kind care. of like what you do during wartime. But exactly. they've also stated through, um, I think the data sheets that they're the mutants, they have wills that specify how they're going to be resurrected. So you would think that her will would have stated that she wanted to be resurrected with her memories i think we were supposed to get from that scene that it was like her being like i've made a decision i want to remember possibly she didn't have time to update her will okay and that it was at her trust of colossus hoping that he would deliver that message in earnesty that he failed on okay it it feels like this may be a mystery that will be brought up again in maybe like four or five more down the road i just think she was so emphatic about it before that somebody, whether it was Colossus or whoever restored her, Xavier, <coughs> Xavier. Cough, cough, <laughs> made a decision for her that she obviously didn't want. She emphasized it to Colossus over and over that she wanted to keep all of that because it helped it it helped her focus on what she felt she needed to be focusing on. I was so disturbed. <laughs> by the opening pages and i really like that they brought up the fact that jean is recognizing that her moral compass is not what she knows that it should be she said she's it's harder and harder for her to tell what's right and wrong and we've seen her and beast together doing things that in my opinion the old jean would not have done before krakoa i did enjoy the splash page and i think jonah's right we could have we could have used this whole issue to just go into the party and see the different dynamics of different people and what they're doing. And why is penance in her penance form if she's really into maggot? <clears throat> Dylan. <laughs> Ooh, maybe that's it. Maybe she hates him and she wants him to go away. That makes me very happy. Let's go with that. <laughs> or maybe she in her penance form can play with Eenie and Meenie and give them a mommy. Oh, she could be Monet yeah. Eenie Meenie's mommy. I am going to quit this. Oh my god, Eenie Meenie Monet's mom. Those four just standing behind Storm, and I'm like, get off of her. Just leave her alone. (laughs) Has no one forgiven him for ghost boxes still? No. (laughs) I love Storm and her maker. I mean, Storm and Black Panther are like the couple, but like, I love Storm and her maker. Uh, I'm a a Rolo shipper, which is apparently not going to be a thing. But um, yeah, and I really like watching Sebastian Shaw chuck his guts out. Good. (laughs) I did like the interplay between Sage and Domino when they're kind of discussing what her wishes would have been. And she kind of says, you know, well, I'm a new woman. And just seeing her and Sage kind of have this moment together, I really did enjoy that. I am now wondering what the hell is going on with Black Tom and Krakoa, because he did not look very healthy there at the end. No, and you know what? Mondo reacting so badly to it as well makes me think that I don't trust Doug. Yeah, I... Oh my god, what if all of Krakoa is the trans mode virus? Oh. Yeah, just something something ain't right, so I don't know. I I liked the issue overall. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I... (laughs) thought it was hilarious when Quentin tried to go through the gate and it wouldn't let him in. And at first I was like, are we having another kitty moment? But it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And I'm kind of used to Beast thinking he's God. He's kind of had this cocky attitude for a long, long time now. But yeah, the villain, the villain of the story was not, you know, 
It wasn't a very strong ending in my opinion. We've kind of seen this before, so we're kind of going back to it. And I want the story to keep moving forward. And it just feels like we are taking steps back and then one step forward, and then three steps back and then one step forward. And I'm kind of ready for it to move along. Yeah, it just feels like retreading Apoth. I wanted to mention just a few more things about the splash page real quick. Um, In the splash page, we got to see the return of some characters who haven't been in Marvel or X-Comics in quite a while, like uh, Lifeguard in her mermaid form. She hasn't really been in X-Books in a while. She's been mentioned here and there, but she hasn't actually been on panel and she's more of a trivial pursuit answer than a character at this point so it was awesome to see her correct and then uh gorgeous george the one that started the fight with black tom i honestly don't even remember the last time he was in an x-men comic isn't he the guy from new x-men 114 yes he's the one in the plane i don't i can't imagine how many more appearance (laughs) has than that who out there is clamoring for gorgeous george please let me know because i will be your friend if you think gorgeous george needs more airtime it might just be the like the morrison fanboy in percy he did do a world war he did a weapons plus story and weapons plus is essentially tied to new x-men so he seems like like kind of like my kind of morrison fanboy so he's probably just like all the morrison though cute that he threw with slipstream there if if you got me some lifeguard i need me some slipstream I don't think Okay, but there was, was no there. Martha and there was no Ernst. So how big of a Morrison fanboy could he be? <laughs> One other thing I wanted to point out was in case people were looking at the splash page and wondering why there was a bunch of random old men just sitting at the bar, it's because they are supposed to be Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Chris Claremont, and Dave Cockrum. That is an incredibly sweet tribute. I am shiggled to my niblets by the exclusions that list may have. But that is lovely. Huh. John Burns sitting somewhere very annoyed right now. <laughs> yeah, I used a couple different websites that where people were naming off everything. And yeah, it was only those four that are listed. Can I just uh, point out before um, that Iceman is all alone and Christian is walking out of the room with somebody? Yeah. Can we talk about the fact that Dazzler is singing again? This is the most singing that she has done. Because Eddie... It's X-Men Dark Phoenix. <laughs> Eddie... <laughs> And any appearance in Dawn of X has been Dazzler singing, except for that one time that she wanted to talk to Quanin, and she was like, no. No, no, thank you. I'm Quanin. I have to leave the X-Books for a few months. No one knows what to do with me. <laughs> On one of the pages um, of Beast's logbook, he mentions that Krakoa requires the consumption of two mutants each year. And then I was kind of stunned because I was like, okay, well, we know that Krakoa is taking in bits and pieces of all the mutants that live there. So is this in addition to, and nobody's talking about it? Because if death is nothing, then they could easily just sacrifice two mutants and just resurrect them. They said uh, that instead of sacrificing the two mutants, they're able to spread out the consumption amongst the entire population. Which is what I thought, but then when when they're bringing it up again, it's not in this text. Like, he doesn't say, well, you know, but instead he's taking, you know, parts of all the mutants together. So then I was like, wait a minute. Because <laughs> there's a lot of skulls on this little, in this little lagoon here. Ah, <laughs> uh, I remember my first trip to Skull Lagoon. It was just me. <laughs> my, I don't have the rest of the joke. So 
So today we covered some pretty interesting books that, again, I feel were a lot of setup of a lot of plot points that could be promising, could be interesting. But between all of us, I think we're a little tired of cliche story plot points, as well as run-of-the-mill villains that aren't tying up already established things. We want storylines that are a little bit fresh and a little bit new, or a re retelling of a story in a really great way. And if you're going to give us seeds and plant these villains or story plot points, you gotta harvest them you know do something with them nico i believe you have some news to tell us i can't help but notice the harvest plant plot joke anyway so i know that the possibility of the x-men coming out at perhaps a slower rate might affect the availability of we are Krakoa to have all new material to discuss. That said, we do not plan on changing our format, and we do plan on continuing to run Throwback Thursdays and Mutant Mania Mondays where we talk We Are Krakoa. While we might not be able to feature new books, there are plenty of X-Men appearances across the Marvel Universe in the last few years, plus special stories to highlight that can tie back to what's going on in Dawn of X for when things kick back into gear. Speaking of when things kick back into gear, Kyle, what are we covering next week? So next week, uh, we have Giant size x-men number one nightcrawler which has two covers hellions number one which also has two covers and wolverine number two similarly with two covers x-men number nine x-men fantastic four number three with three covers and then we also have fourth volume of the dawn of x trade and new mutants volume one and uh, wolverine enemy of the state until next time though you can find me on both twitter and instagram at Drantis82. Dylan, where can everybody find you? Everybody can find me on Facebook at my X-Men Facebook group that Regina helps me moderate. It is titled House of X. We had that name first. Or you could find me on Instagram at Warpath underscore Dylan. That is Warpath underscore D-Y-L-A-N. Regina, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at the Red Queen underscore G or Instagram at the Red Queen underscore on underscore IG or on Facebook at the House of Goblin Queen. Jonah, where can everybody find you? If you would like to find me playing Russian Roulette with Dawkins and Wolverine, you can check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah. Nico, where can everybody find you? You guys can find me all over this network on shows like HTML, all the feeds of this show, as well as on my website, Kid Riot Comics, where I publish my super cool, superhuman superhero story. Don't forget to check out my Instagram, Nico Action, N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N, along with the web portals for this show. And guys, until next time. We'll see ya. See ya. Bye. Adios. Goodbye.